Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everywhere we go, people want to know! Trigger warning. This episode is about miscarriage with graphic detail of a miscarriage experience. Hello everyone, my name is Rebecca Kelly and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with Melissa Guerin. As a mother, this was an extremely painful listen. It is the longest individual episode to date. But the sad reality is that one in five pregnancies will end in miscarriage. This episode is as devastating as it is heartbreaking. Melissa tells me of her own experience of not only one, but two miscarriages. Melissa was born with only seven fingers, a limb birth defect that led her to a life of bullying and anxiety. Through this anxiety, Melissa thought she would never get pregnant. So when, after a short relationship, she got pregnant, she started to plan for her future. Unfortunately, anticipation turned into heartbreak. And when she got pregnant again on her second baby, she experienced heartbreak all over again. I need to say that Melissa's experience was horrific and left me lost for words, with some of the things she told me will stay with me forever. But I also learned so much from her. Melissa, you're a very special person. You'll be forever in my thoughts. No one should have to endure what you went through, but the reality is that they will. I want to thank you for sharing your experience to help others, and my sincere condolences to anyone who has been affected by miscarriage. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Melissa Giron and I'm originally from Glasnevin, but I live in Balgriffin now. Melissa, this is a different one. It's yeah. one where you reached out to me. Yeah. Um, and so I know nothing about you. No. I, I literally don't. I know little bits. We've just had a little discussion off mic about it, but I actually don't know um, too much about you. Um, so tell me about yourself. So I'm 26. I live with my mom and my two sisters and my boyfriend lives with us as well. And then tell me when you came in, you, sh- you showed me your hand. Yeah. So do you want to tell me about that? Yeah. So like, this is something that like, I would never really talk about, like, unless it's like family and close friends, I've always hidden it. Like if you go through my social media, you would never see a photo of it. I hide it. I've been hiding it since I was born. My mum and family have said. So that's where my anxiety kind of started from was like, I don't want to say it's a disability because it's not counted as a disability, but like physically it, it is to look at. So I have on my left hand, I only have a baby finger and a thumb. And it's quite small. 
So I remember when I was about four, I kind of copped it. I was like, Can I ask you, like, what what happened that that happened? They don't know. Okay. They don't know. Um, my dad's sister, like, investigated and was onto um, a hospital in England. I can't remember what it's called, saying, like, what happened. And they just said it was one of those things that they don't know. Like, there was no reason or tests that they could do to find out what happened. And that was just it. I was just born like it. And then it wasn't until you were four. Yeah, that I kind of copped it. Like, I remember sitting at the end of my mom's bed, like sobbing, crying and her being like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't get married, mommy. And she was like, you're four. Like, do you know that way? And I just kept saying, I have no ring finger because obviously I haven't got a a ring finger because you put it on your left hand, your left wedding finger. Like, and she was like, oh my God, like you're four. Like, you shouldn't even be thinking like this. Do you know that way? And I was like... I kind of copped it from then that. Why, why do you think you were thinking like that though? I don't know whether I seen my mom's finger and was like, why does she have one? And I don't. And like, I was obviously after starting school, I was probably closer to five than four. And like noticing that everybody else had 10 fingers or like, you know, when you count in school, you'd count your fingers. Mm. I got to seven and I'd have mm. to stop, you know, that way. Like, mm. so, and then just as the years went by, like that's when the bullying started, like, you know, that way, like slagging me hand and like, it was awful. Like, and did it stop you from doing things? Like, did it? Um, no, like I did dance and I did horse riding. Um, it didn't really stop me doing anything. Like I did camogie, I did basketball everything like you know that way it's just it was weaker and then I'd had to get I think I've had about six operations just to make it more mobile and to make it look a bit prettier because I was so self-conscious as a kid I was like I want surgery to make it look better and make it look a bit normal and stuff like that but it was never going to look normal you know that way and at one stage my man brought me to Kappa Hospital to get fitted for a prosthetic and it was like 30 grand I was like no I was like I'm not asking my parents to pay for that like you know that way it's our second nature to all of us, mm. but for someone else to look at it, they kind of like, oh, like what happened to you? Like, do you know that way? It's just like real awkward. Like, and is it awkward for you? Yeah. Like, especially like when I started to get like into my teenage years and like I was starting to like fancy boys and stuff, it was like an absolute living nightmare. Like some people wouldn't care. Some boys wouldn't care. And then other boys would be like, eh, now you're just formed or like, eh, now that's rotten and it's ugly and it made me really self-conscious, like, even though it's such a small thing and there's so much worse that could be wrong with it, I just thought it was the worst thing ever. Like, it was horrible. And it was, did your teenagers and you thinking it was horrible, did that stem from the bullying? Yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. It was just like people in the yard, like, you know, like, just like making comments and, oh, like, you have a weird hand and like, just stupid stuff, you know, that way. But as a child, like... I was like hiding it. Like I'd pull my sleeve down around it to like hide it. Or if we were going to discos, I'd always wear like long sleeve t-shirts that you'd never see me in a short sleeve t-shirt. Even now I wouldn't, or I'd have a jacket over or a bag over, or I'd sit with me hands in between me legs. Like it's awful. Like even like not as much now with COVID, but even up until like 24, 25, still getting abuse about it. Like, Do you think adults are just as bad as children? Yeah. Children are more like, like I remember my little cousin, he's now 12. He was about six at the time. And he, I remember I put my hands out to like lift him and he was like, what happened to your hand? And I was like, uh, holy God took my fingers because he needed them. And he was like, oh my God, holy God took my cousin's fingers. And he just thought it was like the funniest thing ever. Whereas adults are like way more like they're harsh. Like, are they? Yeah. Like the things I've been called Edward Scissors hands. I like when I started driving, I crashed my car like by mistake, like I was learning. 
and a fella that I knew at the time um, put up a post about me on Facebook and I was like in a movie, this, I don't know what the name of the movie is, He, it's like a deformed man and was like, who gave Melissa Gear on a license? And like, this is like Facebook, he had like a couple of thousand friends and it was like, there was like 60 comments on it, like, and I was like bawling, crying in my bedroom. My mom was like, right, I have to ring the guards. I was like, the guards aren't going to do that. And like, and that was like the worst ever. Like, what old were you? I was like 19 or 20. <gasps> I was like, you're actually horrible. I was like, take that down. Like, and then all his friends were like sending more photos. And like, I was called like the claw. I was called like Mr. Krabs. Like I belonged like in SpongeBob, like mad things. Like it was horrendous. Like, like really, really bad. Like, and it, it was worse. Fellas were worse than girls. Like. At 19. Yeah. Which isn't that long ago. Because like, you're 26. Yeah, I'm 26. It's just like social media is like going to destroy people's like self-esteem. Like that's what like, it's just awful. Like, do you know the way? Like when I'm going, like obviously not because of COVID, like on a night out and we were getting photos, if my friend stood on my like right hand side to so my left side of show, I'd be like, no, no, I'd start panicking. Like, and they'd be like, Melissa, like you need to not care and I was like no 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 I've been through way enough you will not see one photo of my hand on my Instagram Snapchat or Facebook and I've been on them years like and if there's like a slight picture where it's kind of shown I'm like get it down because like people are so harsh and have been harsh to me so I just like it's like a guard I've put up and I'm like I'm not exposing myself like to anybody so it's just like safer for me you know that way which is like awful that is so sad yeah and even like with my my boyfriend that I'm with now, like he was friends with some of my friends and because of like past relationships and like they don't care when I'm with them. But when we break up, it's like the first thing they slag. I said to one of my friends, I was like, will you text him and tell him about me hand? And if he has a problem with it, just tell him not to, to talk to me, just to leave it alone. Yeah. And he was like, is that a joke? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, is that a joke? He's like, Melissa, he said he doesn't care. And I was like, yeah, but he hasn't seen it yet. And I remember the first time I went out to him, I was like, with me hand and me sleeve like twisted around it and he was like staring at me and he was like I don't care and I was like I'm not ready to show you and it took me like about three months and he just grabbed me hand one night and I was like <gasps> I was like oh my god don't touch me don't touch it don't touch it is that how you felt yeah and I was like crying like sobbing crying and he was like relax and I was like no 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 like no one's ever done that like and now like I do like slap him with, like you know do you know mm. that way which like I'd never ever before like like, I, like he's the first proper person that's actually held me hand and not like said that and doesn't care. Like, do you think you'll ever accept it? Probably not. No. Like, I don't get upset about it anymore, but like, I'm always like, even today, like roasting and hot, I'll wear a long sleeve t-shirt. Like, you'll never show it off. No. Like I've always said, like with the married thing, like I've always said, I don't want to get married and I think that's from when I was younger, when I copped the wedding ring finger thing. And I've like, I've never wanted to get married. And I genuinely think it's because of my hands. And that's the way I think that's how bad my anxiety has steamed from bullying. Like my mom has had like, had like a really bad run with me. Like, you know, that way, like I started to retaliate as a teenager and just like run amok. Like, cause I was just fed up. Like, you know, that way. And like, she blames herself obviously because you would as a parent saying like, is there anything I did wrong? And like, she, like, I remember, like, she going down to me school. Someone was bullying me in secondary school. And, like, my mum actually wanted to kill her. Like, 
And I was like, mom, you can't like, you're making a show of me. Like, you know, the way and she was like, she was like watching me like 24 seven, like, you know, the way she was so worried, like of like bullying and stuff to know the way. And my sister's like, Emma's 25 and Jessica's 21. And they're like, they're just like, they don't really think about me hand anymore. But if someone was to upset me, like it's like a red rag to a bull, like they're so protective in that way. Like, you know, the way and so I was like my aunties, my uncles, my dad, everything. Like it's the main thing. Like you can say me about what else, but when it comes to me hand, it's a different ball game. And like my anxiety is so hard to live with. Like it's really horrible for them to live with because they don't know what to say to me. They don't know what way I'm going to be. Like they know I don't eat sometimes. Do you know the way? Like I've been trying since kind of last year, at the end of last year to eat more. Like they're just on their nerves all the time. Like with me, like, Cause I'm so quiet sometimes they're like, what is she thinking? Like, do you know that way? Like, and we have had like my uncle commit suicide in 2019. So they like, they worry like, oh, would she do that? Like, is it that bad? Like, cause you never know what's going on in someone else's mind. Do you know that way? They're always on edge with me. Like, and did they verbalize that with you? Um, my mom, yes. My middle sister, she's kind of quiet. Like, she's just be like, are you okay? And if I say, yeah, she's like, right. Okay. And if I say no, like she'd be like, do you want to hug? And my little sister, like we'd be close. Like she'd be like, what happened? Or like, if I want to talk, she'll listen to me. And if I don't want to talk, she'll leave me and she'll come back to me a day or so later to know that way. But I try and like tell them so they don't worry. And I've been like working on that the last couple of months. Cause I went to counseling and stuff about it. Like, do you know the way? Cause I was like, it's not fair on them either. Do you know that way? Like obviously we were having a conversation off Mike and you, you work public, it's a public job, yeah. you work at the airport. Yeah. So you'd be always like dealing with people. Yeah. Did you find that you'd have stairs that you'd have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially like, so the job that I was in at the time, um, we had to open aircraft doors and some of them were grand. You could use one hand so I could use my strong arm, which was my right arm. And there was other ones that you had to use both. And I physically didn't have the power in my left hand to open the doors. And one of the airlines actually requested that I was off the flight because I couldn't open the door and they couldn't guarantee that one of their agents, their reps would come and assist me. And I was like, oh my God, like... And I was so upset. Like I went, got sent home crying. Like, whereas a lot of the other airlines would help me. Like, do you know the way I got really friendly with some of the airline reps? Like, and they knew, like, I just pulled them aside and was like, look, I struggle. Like, showed them, explained. They were like, it's fine. But this one particular airline wanted me off the flight because I couldn't open the door. And some passengers, like, you know, if I was holding paperwork, you'd see them kind of like look and glance, like, and I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, like, I'd run like to know that way and it, it was awful like so you're getting counselling for it yeah I haven't because of COVID but I've been in counselling since I was young like dealing with like anxiety on my hand yeah and like it's worked as in like I can talk about it like to you like to know the way I showed you straight away but if I was in a public place with a load of people I'd be like sitting on my hand or putting a bag over my hand or so it's just different situations like day to day I'm okay, but like in them particular situations, like I really struggle, like especially like socially. And that just stems from your hand. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, I remember like a younger, like, and I like pity me, like I don't pity myself because I know there's so much worse in the world. Like, but I remember my ma saying like, don't you feel sorry for yourself? Like, I'll make you go down to St. Michael's house and you'll really see like how people, like some people are living, like 
And I was like, right, that was kind of a kick that my ma gave me not to feel sorry for myself. Mm. Do you know the way? But like when it's on you and you're being like judged and bullied, like it is very hard sometimes. Like, Do you see those bullies around now? Yeah. Do you see that guy around now? Like kind of, yeah. I hear his name a lot. Like, and he's like, he has kids himself. Like, I'm like... Nuts. Yeah, I'm like, and I do think like to myself, like all them people that bullied me, like 90% of them have kids. Like, and I remember saying to that person that put that thing up on Facebook about me and his girlfriend was pregnant at the time. I was like, I hope your child comes out perfect. I was like, I really do. Because even down to hair colour now, they're getting bullied. Glasses, they're getting bullied. If they don't have designer clothes on, they're getting bullied. I was like, imagine they had something physically wrong, which I hope to God they don't. And he, like, he apologized years later, but I was like, doesn't matter. You made a show on me on social media, like with thousands of friends, like, and he was like, I was actually scared that there'd be something wrong with my daughter. I was like, and I'm so glad there's not. I was like, but you like ruined my life for that couple of weeks. Like, cause everybody was talking about it. It screenshotted into like groups at the time. I think Viber was a time, like at the time it was awful. Like people were texting me for weeks, like about, it, it was like horrendous, like. And it was at the height of Facebook, like Facebook, like Instagram wasn't even there, I don't think, or it was only up to start. And like, how did you pull yourself out of that? I didn't, I was like, I cried for days, like, like days. I mean, I was like, show me, I was like, I, I was like, I can't like, and I had to show me ma, and me ma was like, me ma was crying, like, and seeing me ma cry was like, made me feel 10 times worse, like, do you know that way? Because as a mother, like... It's horrendous, like, seeing someone do that to your child, like, do you know that way? And then talking about children. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to have that conversation? Yeah, that's the main reason I kind of came on, really, is to kind of break the silence and open a door to talk about miscarriages. So tell me about that. Um. So I was talking, I actually asked my mum today, I was like, I've always had a fear as well most of my things are from fear, like fear about me hand. I've always had a fear. I can't have kids. And I don't know why I asked my mom today. I remember I was about, I asked her what age I was today. My mom had a miscarriage after me youngest sister. And I remember freaking like being so annoyed that there was another baby coming into the house to take the limelight away from us. Like, and my dad said, bring her up a cup of tea. I was eight. And me ma was in bed. She was really sick, obviously morning sickness at the time. And I was like, oh, I don't want another brother or sister because uh, sister, I had sisters at the time. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks later, I was like, oh, the baby's in your tummy. It was like, no, it was gone. Like, and I like don't remember thinking of it after, but like coming up to the age of like 13, 14, 15 and then me late teens, I was just paranoid. I couldn't have kids. And I always like talked about it openly to me, ma. Like, I'm afraid I'll never have a baby and I'll never have kids. Why? I don't know. I just had that in in my head. I don't know whether it was me anxiety that just like, because I couldn't have like a proper wedding because I wouldn't have a wedding finger. Like, would I not be able to have kids because I see me ma have a miscarriage? Like, I don't know where it came from. Did your mom? Okay, so it was just like, no, the baby's not there. But then eventually was it explained that your mom had had a miscarriage? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's what I said to her today. Like, it's not your fault like that. This I said, but that's the only thing I can think of that might have caused me paranoia. I like, I was like, I don't remember seeing it on the telly or on the radio or in school because I was so young now to be having miscarriages at eight, do you know that way? So at four, you're talking about a wedding ring. Yeah. 
So at eight, then your mum miscarries and it's not explained to you. No. So at 14, you are going to have those thoughts in your head. Yeah, I was paranoid. like Because it wasn't explained. Yeah. And as we say, it's not your mum's No, fault definitely all, like, not. Because like, at mm. eight, you kind of think like, oh, they won't remember tomorrow. Mm. Like, do you know that way? Whereas it obviously stayed in the back of me little mind somewhere. Do you know that way? It, do you know, like Natalie said, um, Natalie Cooney said that in the live that her granddad died when she was four. Yeah. And she only started, she started to deal with his grief when she was a teenager. Yeah. So maybe you were grieving the loss of your mom's baby. Yeah. At 14. And it, because of your anxiety. Yeah. It only kicked in. It like, turned into and then paranoia. I was like, to, it was even thinking today before I came down to you, I was like, I wonder was I like, did I feel guilty that I didn't want that baby in the house? Do you know the way? And that's where my paranoia that I couldn't carry or couldn't have a baby. So then I carried on with my life and it was always in the back of my head. And then my friend started having kids and like I was in relationships like at the time or after or before. And like, I was never trying for a baby, but I was always like, well, it's happening to them. So why isn't it just happening to me? Like, do you know that way? And then I, I've been in the airport for seven years and it was about... 2017 it was just after my granddad passed away and I got seeing someone in work and I knew in the back of my head it wasn't a good idea like to you know the way because he wasn't the nicest of person and he was a bit toxic and people warned me to stay away from him but I was like no I couldn't like it was a bad boy type of thing and I was like oh anyways and then it was on and off and then I just didn't feel well one day I was like I just feel Bleh. do you know the way I lie on my stomach I sleep on my stomach and I was like I can't sleep on my stomach like and I was like I don't know what's wrong with me and I know it was my period was late and I was like no definitely not 100% now my period was getting later and later and later and I said it to my best friend at the time she's like just take a test just in case I was like there's no way in it's not possible like you know the way it's mm. not and I took a test and I actually nearly fainted off the toilet. It was said I was two to three weeks pregnant. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I was like, right now it has to be wrong. The next day, the first test I took was on a Friday, took one on the Saturday. It still said two to three weeks. And on the Sunday, it said two to three weeks pregnant as well. So I rang him and told him and he was like, it's not mine. I was like, well, who else is it? Like, I was like, mm. you're the only person I'm seeing. And he was like, I don't want to know basically like piss off don't want to have anything to do with it like bye see you later I was like oh my god like this cannot be happening to me like so on the Monday my best friend I rang the doctor and got an appointment and went and they said yeah you're five weeks pregnant I was like oh my god like I was like this is not like I was like I was in shock that someone was actually saying to me you're pregnant like so I was like when the initial shock ran off I was like picking prams, picking names. Like I was so excited, like even though I was going to be doing it on my own. And then me Was it just a relief that you could get pregnant? Yeah, that's literally what it was. I was like, oh my God, I'm not infertile or there's nothing, just like not something wrong with me. Like it was just like, oh my God, I'm actually finally pregnant. Like, and I'm going to be a mom because that's all I've ever wanted to be like, you know, that way. And um, I went and told my mom and she was like, oh my God, like you're pregnant and she didn't like him at all, at, like since the day I first started seeing him. And she was like, look, if you have to do it on your own, we'll do it as a family and you're not to be worrying. And she started getting excited then and she was excited for me and that was grand. Everything was going fine. And then about two weeks later, he started to be like, oh, I can't wait for the baby and this, that and the other. And I was like, do you want it or do you not want it? And then he was like, no, I want it. Like I just was shocked. And I was like, well, you're just as shocked as I was. 
and that was grand. I was about, I think it was eight and a half weeks and I just thought like everything was normal. Got my uh, booking for the 12 week scan. Everything was fine. And then one day I just went to the toilet and I wiped and there was blood all over the tissue. I was like, is this normal? Like, do you know the way? So I rang my best friend straight away. Cause she had a, a little girl at the time. And uh, I think our little girl was one. And she was like, Melissa, like, that's not good. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, she's like, like that's the signs of a miscarriage. And I was like, oh no, here we go. Like, I was like, see, I told you, is there something wrong with me? Went to the D-Doc, the D-Doc done a pregnancy test and said, no, you're still pregnant. Like, it just, some people bleed during pregnancy. I was like, do they? And they were like, yeah. I was like, all right, fine. They said, any more going to the rotunda. So the next day it was like a lot more. <sighs> Try to ring him. No answer. Try to ring him off me ma's phone. No answer. I was like, right. So I just went into the hospital and they did my blood and a pregnancy test. And they said, yeah, you're pregnant. We're going to bring you in and do a scan. And they did a scan and they said, no, you're having a miscarriage. And I was like, okay. So they were like, it's actually only measuring your six weeks, not eight weeks. So um, you'll probably pass it yourself. You can go home. And if you get any more pain, you have to come straight back into us. I was like, is that it? Like, Be on your own? I was with my mom. Okay. So um, take me back to the moment in the, in, in the bed in the room and they're telling you that you're going to pass the baby yourself. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, is, I was like, I, I actually didn't understand. Like no one really ever explained to me, even in school. And this was, this is a huge issue I have now with like schools. Like, and I've asked people like that are still in school, like cousins and stuff. Like when they're getting to sex education talk, like that's all how you make a baby, like all that stuff. No one ever in school or anything like that tells you about miscarriages. They just bypass that bit so you just think you have sex and you get pregnant and everything's fine so I hadn't a clue like what was going to happen me like I had no clue so they just said like you're probably going to have clots and pass it yourself so it's going to be like a period and I was like and then is it gone like and they were like yeah well your HCG levels have to go down so we'll monitor them and make sure like that they go down at the rate they're meant to and I was like okay and they were like if you get any pain come back into us and I went home and I was like bawling, crying because I had like, I ran once I did the pregnancy test, like even though I was shocked, like your mind runs a million miles an hour. You plan for everything like, and then I went home and I started getting shooting pains down my side and I'm like Mrs. Google. I Googled like the symptoms and it was like eptopic and I was like, what's an eptopic pregnancy? I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I went straight back in and they admitted me because they had fears that there was something stuck in one of my tubes and they kept me in for three nights. And thank God, like I wasn't COVID at the time, like my mom and dad and my aunties and all were allowed coming and seeing me. But I was literally sitting in a hospital bed from one end of the day to the next, just bleeding. What was that like? Horrific. Especially because like my mom and dad obviously were amazing, like, but you want the person that's the baby's dad to be with you, like, and you just didn't care. Yep. Is it lonely? Yeah, it is. It's like... A lonely journey, like, do you know the way? Because nobody wants to talk about miscarriages. Like, I don't know whether it's because people are ashamed or it's actually too painful. But after it, like, none of my friends had gone through it and I had nobody that really understood what I felt like, especially having a miscarriage with someone that has basically left you on your own. I think it would have been easier if I had his support at the time, but I didn't. I was on my own. It's like... um Ian said that when people were like 
after his Buddha when people are moving on. Yeah, you're so like, angry at the why, world. Why are you not asking me about my Buddha? Like, no, yeah. like, why are you not asking me? Like, yeah. So people just didn't ask you how no. you were, didn't ask about the baby. They just... No, they just said like, oh, well, you're better off. Like your life would have been horrible with him. Like the baby wouldn't have had a, a father like this, that and the other. And I was like, the amount of children that grow up without a father or a mother and they turn out to be all right. I was like, I would have done everything in my power to make that baby's life amazing if I had to do it on my own it's not like and I got like actually you're only six weeks or you're only eight weeks and I sure it wasn't a real baby is that the worst they are the most painfulest words anyone could ever say to someone that has had a miscarriage whether it's a like I've had two miscarriages so I had that baby at six weeks and then I lost my son Jackson in November of last year and it's actually like someone stabbing you in the heart multiple times like it wasn't a real baby or sure look it wasn't meant to be like it's horrible like they're the most painfulest things like that anyone could say to someone that has lost a child or a baby like and then did the hospital offer counselling no at all like they just sent me home on my way and that was it I was like and were you in a room with other women were you um, yeah I was in a ward and I was losing my baby there was another girl beside me she had had a miscarriage as well and you could hear newborn babies crying down the corridor and I was woken up in the middle of the night to be changed around because someone needed my bed like because there was something worse wrong with them and I was like yeah yeah no problem but you're on the same floor of like screaming crying babies like which it was is really distressing like and did you and that girl did you converse did you no not really like she she was in a like a severe amount of pain like she was like screaming the whole time and I was like won't say anything you know that way like I was just constantly on my phone and talking to doctors and then if they the doctors weren't in with me my ma or my dad or my auntie was in with me like or my friends like but then the night time then you're hearing yeah baby's crying and it's awful like and do they not in hospital have another place for girls who are having miscarriages to go so that was in 2018 I had that miscarriage and then I met Deki in 2019 and like we knew each other like not from like he was on my friend's football team and my friends are like we're all the kind of the same friends and then we ended up getting together in November was it November? Uh, yeah in and around November of 2019 and then everything was going grand he ended up moving in because of Covid and whatever and then I found out last year I was pregnant again and I was like oh my god here we go again like do you know the way I was like I found what out what do you mean here we go again I was like I'm, I was like it's gonna I'm gonna have a miscarriage like I was like I'm gonna have a miscarriage and he was like you are not like I'm with you you're healthy like yeah your anxiety is still a bit like haywire like do you know the way he was like Melissa everything's gonna be fine don't be negative like do you know the way don't and I was like right 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 so went to the GP the GP said you're five weeks and I was like oh my god I'm five weeks I was five weeks the last time they wrote down like that I had severe anxiety like that I needed to see the um mental health nurse in the rotunda that they'd be on to me straight away and I was like that's new I was like okay fair enough um and I said like do I get an early scan because I had a pregnancy um, um, miscarriage? And she said, oh no, you'd have to ring the rotunda and ask. So the minute I got out of um, the GP, um, I rang the rotunda and they said, no, you have to have three consecutive miscarriages to be seen at the early pregnancy owner. I was like, excuse me? 
there were like three consecutive miscarriages. So you have to have three in a row to get seen or one ectopic. I was like, I physically like am mentally unstable. Like at the minute after finding out, I was after finding out that I had had a smear before I got pregnant and they actually rang me to bring me in for me results of me smear and then told me I was pregnant during it. Because I they told me that I had um, severe dysplasia, which is precancerous cells on my cervix, and then told me I was pregnant straight after. So I was like, "Oh my god, I have precancerous cells, and I'm pregnant!" Like another way, so I was in bits. Um, and then they told me, "No, you have to have three consecutive miscarriages to be seen in the early pregnancy." On it, I was like, "Okay, so I have to wait twelve weeks and hope for the best." Like another way, what was that like? Horrendous. Like I don't know how Decky's still with me. Like I really don't like. I drove him up the walls, like. In what way? Crying, like Googling, like staying up all night, like every like twitch and twinge I was getting, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And if I didn't go to the toilet one time, I went a million times just to check that there was no blood. Like, and he was like, Melissa, come on. In the middle of the night, I'd be up like checking to make sure that there was no blood. Like. What does that do to you, Melissa? Mentally tortures me and my family, like. Like mentally tortures them. Like they'd know I'd be like, I'm going upstairs to get something and they'd know I'm in the bathroom, like trying to make sure that there's no blood. Like then I got to like eight weeks and I was like, once I get past eight weeks, like it's a plus, do you know that way? Ten weeks, eleven weeks, twelve weeks, and then we scan and it the baby was perfect, like. I was like, Oh my god, I'm actually having a baby, like I'm actually having a baby. And we told nobody, like my mom knew. I told my sisters at 10 weeks, I told my best friend, my mom knew from the day the doctor told me. So what was the 12 week scan like for you? Um, because of COVID, it was like horrendous. And it like anyone that has had a scan through COVID, like I literally like bow down to them, like including myself. It's, it's so nerve wracking. Like it's literally like you're going off to war, like you're leaving your partner at the front door and like, you don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. It's like horrible. Like all the women that were sitting in that room with me, felt the exact same. You could see the, like the worriness in their face, like, do you know that way? Cause you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, and your fellas were outside waiting on you. Do you know that way? I've never thought of that. Yeah. I've never thought of that room. Yeah. It's like scary. All the women, the women together yeah. sitting in that room and what the anticipation must it be was like. like. I had never been got to that room because of my first miscarriage. It was only at the eight or six weeks because of the sizing of the baby. But like they had, so it's all little like chairs and they had like one crossed off. So there was a space between everyone, but everyone just looked so more worried than you thought they were. Look, everyone was like kind of looking at each other and smiling. And it was just, it was actually horrible. You actually felt sorry for the person sitting in front of you or beside you, even though you were going through the same thing because, and the amount of men just sitting outside the rotunda was like horrible. Some men were like kicking up murder that they couldn't go in like. And it was just as bad for the men as it was for the women because like you can't be on your phone when you're getting the scan done and like Decky was hockeying my phone out of it like being like is everything okay is everything okay and I couldn't reply to him like and then all my family at home like like hounding me as well like. Then what was it like to hear the harpy? Amazing like I was like bawling crying and the sonographer like that done me scan she was horrible like. Oh really? Yeah she wasn't nice at all like I asked could I take a video of the harpy to show Decky and she said no. I was like, but he can't like see it or hear it. Like, do you know the way out? And she was like, no, this follows. So I was like, oh, okay. That's mad. Yeah. 
and I have heard and seen people that were allowed to take photos. So like maybe the, the nurse just had a bad day or something, but like, I was like. And I get that. I get bad days, right? Yeah. But in a moment where the father of his fourth, second, third, fifth child yeah. can't be there and you hear like, you think that there'd be allowances made that yeah. you can, do you, know, do you know what to do? Just pop on and, you know, video that day so he yeah. can take it Just out to Just even, him. like, all I wanted was to send him a voice note and let him yeah. hear, like, the dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. And, like, he was, per- like, I didn't know what it was that the baby was at the time, but he was perfect. Like, they said, like, he's a little bit lazy, but, like, his heartbeat is fine. Like, there's nothing obvious there that's wrong. Like, you have a healthy baby, like, and I was like, I came out of the rotunda, like, shaking and crying like I actually couldn't stop hugging Decky and I was like I'm finally we're finally getting a baby because Decky has a has a little boy from a previous relationship I was like I'm finally having a baby like because I had told him about my forced miscarriage because I wanted him to know like how anxious I was about everything because mm-hmm. I was quite honest with him from the beginning and I was like I'm finally getting me baby I'm finally getting me baby and he was crying and all like and like showing him the pictures of the scan and he was like I want this one I want this one and I was like and me whole family were like delighted with life like everyone was taking bets what it was whether it was a girl or a boy and it was just like the most amazing feeling ever like and what is it like in that initial you walking out and this this can't show I like it's just a bit totally alien to me yeah it was just like shake I was shaking like I was like I can't believe like that I'm getting this like I actually felt like the luckiest person in the world like and I like Decky was parked like up at the Garden of Remembrance. I was like bombing it up there. Like I couldn't wait to show him. Like I was like, I can't believe this. Like, and he was like, can you drive home? Like, cause my legs were like going 90. Like I was like, I actually can't believe that I've got to this stage. Like after mm. losing the first baby, like. You're one of many yeah. women who are in that situation. Yeah. And it is that when you're not in it, you don't think of it. But I have to say like, I know I'm going to go to bed thinking of all the women sitting in that room with yeah. for that scan. Yeah. And like, I never, like, obviously like <laughs> the pregnancy wasn't planned. Like it was like, you're seeing people running amok, like a fella that me and my boyfriend, now his girlfriend was pregnant kind of at the start. And he was like sitting in the car, like putting up pictures being like, I have to sit here and wait. And you were like, oh Jesus, God love him. But it's different when you're going through it and you can actually relate to them people and what they were putting up, like how, nerve-wracking it is like for both the man and the woman like or whatever way if it's like IVF or if it's the same sex like it's the exact same feeling doesn't matter like if it's male or female like it's so intense for both people like do you know that way it's horrendous like and then tell me what happens next so then got to obviously I was 12 weeks got to 13 weeks got to 14 weeks got to 15 weeks all normal, like normal. As normal, like, like I was, so at about eight weeks, I actually couldn't hide. I was pregnant anymore. At eight weeks, I looked about four months pregnant. I was huge. I looked like someone put a basketball up my stomach. So people that even didn't really know me was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, uh, no. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to hide it. Like, so by the time I was 15 weeks, I was like enormous, like huge. And all I did was cry. I was like, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. I was really emotional, really like my hormones were like through the roof. And it was a Friday the 13th of November. I'll never forget it. I went and I was minding kids and I came home and Techie didn't have me dinner ready and I flipped. 
<laughs> I was a psycho. Like I was really bad. I flipped and I was like, I need to get out of this house. I don't feel right. I just don't feel well. I don't feel well. I don't feel well. He was like, you're over the top. You're crazy. There's like something wrong with you. Like just relax. Like, do you know the way? I was like, no, I'm going to my auntie's. And I ended up staying in my auntie's. And I was texting him all night saying, I don't feel well. He was like, you're just thinking too much. I'm being paranoid. You're just anxious. Relax. Like I was like, don't tell me to relax. Like, do you know the way? Which is, they're only doing it because they, they everybody thinks they're being dramatic. Do you know the way? Mm. But, and the next morning he has his little fella on a Saturday. So he went up as normal, went and brought his little fella to football. And I decided, right, I'm going to go in the rotunda get checked and make sure that I'm actually like I'm going to prove myself wrong that there's nothing actually wrong say that again and that I wasn't wrong so I wanted to go into the rotunda to prove myself that I wasn't wrong and to prove because you were getting paranoid yeah so I wanted reassurance from the hospital that I wasn't like that I was actually making myself paranoid that there was actually nothing wrong and what did you think was wrong I thought there was something wrong with the baby like I don't know why there was no signs of no bleeding, no pain. I had like, not pain, but it was like, I could feel everything stretching. Like, I was like, I just felt not myself. No, like pain or bleeding or anything that out of the ordinary. So because I'm a bit stubborn, I said, I'm going into the hospital. And he was like, why? I was like, I told you I don't feel well. And he was like, Melissa, seriously, like, you need to stop now because you're actually going to make yourself sick. And I was like piss off basically I'm gone so I went I went home from my aunties I got changed my little sister was there and she said where are you going I said I'm going into changing appointments the time doesn't suit me she'd known no difference Mm. went into the rotunda went to the reception checked in and went into the emergency room room five and I got a lovely midwife and she said what's wrong and I said look I'm 16 weeks pregnant I just don't feel right and she was like pain I was like not really just kind of discomfort like I was like I'm just absolutely paranoid I have severe anxiety and I just want you to tell me that everything's all right and she was like yeah okay I'm just gonna do the urine sample and yeah blood pressure and this that and the other and that's grand I had to go back out to the waiting room and then they called me in and she was like lift your top up she put the jelly on my stomach and got the sound the stick thing and was rubbing it around my belly and she was like it's a bit grainy and I was like oh I haven't gone to the toilet properly and I was looking at the screen and I was like, oh my God, the baby's so big. Like he's like, I didn't know it was he at the time. I was like, it's huge. Like, and she was just so quiet. I was like, why isn't she saying that? I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And my friend, my best friend knew I was in there. And he had texted me saying, let me know how the baby is. Like, do you know the way? Because he was at football with his little fella. And she just said the dreaded words. I'm finding the trouble to, f- I'm finding it very hard to um, get a harpy. And I was like, oh my sweet Jesus Christ. I was like, here we go. And I was like, right, maybe it's just lying in a funny way. And she was like, I'm just going to go out and get a more senior doctor and I'll be back to you. So I'm like texting my friend real quick. I was like, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. She was like, that happened me, love. Like the baby was lying in me back. Like they probably might scan your side. And I was saying it to him as well. And then a senior nurse came in and she was lovely midwife and she scanned me literally for about 10 minutes and it felt like 10 hours and they just took the scan thing off and they put their hands on their laps and was like I'm really sorry your baby has passed away and I mean I screamed like a banshee like screamed I don't know how the whole hospital didn't hear me like I was like 
and they were like, um, is your partner outside? And I was like, I'm here by myself. And they were like, excuse me. And I was like, no one would be able to come in with me anyway. So like, I just came in by myself because I was paranoid. And they were like, you need to ring somebody quick. I actually couldn't talk. I had to get my friend to ring him. He had to drag his little fella out of football and my friend had to drop him into the hospital. And the midwife had to go out to him and bring him in and sit him down and tell him. And he like sobbed, like Decky doesn't cry. Like he's quite strong. Like he wouldn't be soft or at like, do you know what I mean? And he broke down like a baby, like. It was horrendous, like. <laughs> what does it do to you? It literally like, like I've lost so many people in my life. Like my two granddads, my nanny, my two uncles, one of them to suicide, which is horrendous. And I'd, like loads of people along the way, like do you know that way? Like it's. It's completely different when it's your child, like, do you know that way? And that's what, like, I was nearly halfway through the pregnancy, like, do you know that way? And I was like, and then I could hear someone that was in full-blown labour beside me in the emergency room. And I was like, she knows why I'm crying, like, and I, like straight away, like, I was like, oh my God, that poor woman, like, I'm probably distressing her, like, do you know that way? And I was, I just couldn't stop crying. And they just closed the door and let me and Decky, like, I literally fell into Decky's arms, like, and he just kept saying, no, 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 no. And the first thing out of my mouth was, I told you I wasn't mad. I literally like, was like, I told you, like. And like, my ma didn't know I was going into the hospital. My dad, my, like, my auntie's nothing. Nobody knew I was going in there. Only me, only him and me two friends, and me best friend. Because I was like, oh no, they probably think I'm mad, like. And I was like, I was like heartbroken, like. Did they explain what was going to happen next to you? Yeah, so then the lovely midwife came in and she's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And that freaked me out because normally I'm the one to say to like people's granddad, like if people's granddads or nannies or mom's dad's brother, sisters that pass away, I normally say I'm sorry for your loss. I never thought, especially at my age, that someone would be saying to me, I'm sorry for your loss. And I was like straight away, like mammy mode kicked in. I was like, oh, so I'm getting a DNC. And she, I'll never forget the look on her face. She just looked at the floor and says, no, I'm sorry, you have to give birth to him. Give birth to the baby. And Decky, like, I thought Decky was going to faint. He was like, what, 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 what? And I was like, why can't I get a DNC? And they said, the, ma- the baby's measuring too big. So it's like, by law, I have to give birth to him. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't. I physically, I was like, you need to put me out. And like knock me out. I was like, I cannot do this. Like I can't. And they were like, just go home, rest. And because the baby heart stopped beating, the placenta was still working. So the placenta thought that the baby was still alive. So they were like, you have to come in whenever you feel ready, take a tablet to stop the placenta from working. And then 48 hours after you, you have to come in and you'd be admitted and you will be induced and you will go into full blown labor. Like and yeah so she just explained to me like I was like what happens to the baby after because like the chum um, thing on the nose was a huge thing at the time and uh, I was like oh my god he was going to throw my baby in the bin like where's the baby going to go and again she did that look and was like "Um, we have a communal plot here in the hospital you can bury the baby here or you can have a funeral for your baby and I was like Decky was like white as a ghost and I was like shaking. I couldn't process anything. I was like, I was just remembering words and I was like, oh my God, like 
I can't do a funeral. Like I was like, I'm 26. I can't organize a funeral. I'm not working. I have no money for a funeral. I was like, I can't do this. Like I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And she was like, look, I'm in tomorrow. Go home, process everything. Like we, they gave me a leaflet of basically what I have to do. Um, she said, I'd, I, you can have a bath now, a really hot bath. And I was like, I can't. And she, she was like looking at me and say like, well, you can now. Like, do you know that way? Like, because they don't recommend to have hot bath at early pregnancy. And uh, I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, how am I going to go home and break this news to everybody? Like, so my best friend was outside and I ran out and she wrapped her arms around me. And she just said, when are you going in for a DNC? And I just said, I have to give birth. And she was like, what? And I was like, I have never heard of this before. I've heard of DNCs. I've never heard of someone giving birth before 26 weeks. Like I said, I've never heard it before in my life. So she dropped me home and my ma was out doing something and my sister was in work and I was like, I need to come home. Like, she was like, for what? I was like, because I need to talk to you. And she was like, oh, what now, Melissa? Like, do you know the way? And I was like, please, like, don't. And I had to tell them. And they were like, hysterical like it was like someone's after getting murdered in the house like like everybody was like bawling crying and I was just like blank numb it was like horrendous like and then how do you process the fact that that you're gonna have to give birth because I wonder if someone in that situation goes into absolute denial and yeah. then just doesn't go back into the hospital and then the hospital have to ring them and tell them they have to come in. Like, yeah, so like, I was like, they had to have got it wrong. They had to have got it wrong. And like, my boyfriend, like, he's like, unfortunately, a typical bloke doesn't like to talk about anything. And I was like, I started to get angry straight away being like, I told you there was something wrong. I told you, like, my grief started straight away, like, because there's different stages of grief. Like, I was like, I told you, I told you, I told you. And he just kept saying, I'm sorry. He was like, I wasn't there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to regret for the rest of my life. And I was like, you should have been there. Like there was murder in my house that day. Like it was, I don't like, I remember parts of it, but I remember like being so angry, like that they all thought I was mad. They all thought I was paranoid that I made this stuff up in my head. What was it? What was it, Melissa? I said it to the nurse on the, so I went back in on the Sunday and I said it to her and she was like, it was your mother telling you there was something wrong. And I was like, but I'm not a mother. And she was like, yeah, the two babies, not just one. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's like, no, I'm a mother, like can play with their kids and hug their kids. I was like, I can't, I have to bury mine. Like, and it was like horrible. So I went into the hospital on the Sunday and it was the same girl that, that told me that Jackson had passed. Take me back slightly. <laughs> so in the house is murder. Yeah. What happens that night? Sleep? Like I didn't sleep. Okay. Like I didn't sleep. Like I was like, was Declan? Did you let him stay? Yeah, he lived with me at the time. Like, and he was just like, just like lifeless. Like he's like hilarious, always talking, always messing, always like playing pranks on me, everything. Like, and he was just like, he looked like dead, just with a pulse. Like, and I was like, well, like what are we gonna do? And he's never really lost anyone. Like he's been close to people that has passed away, but not really proper family. Like especially our child. Like do you know that way. Whereas I've helped organise my granddad's and not helped organise, but you know how funerals mm. work. Mm. Do you know that way? And it was just then at one stage I was so tired and so upset that I just like bawled. I literally cried on him all night. 
like laying his chest and bawled me lamps out, like being like, why me? Why us? Why, 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 why? Did you move on from the blame? Yeah, it took me a while, yeah. So then the next morning you wake up and do you just like, right, this is it? Or like what? Um, It was weird when we got home on the Saturday, um, me mum's partner at the time um, said... I actually know a man in work and his wife is involved in this charity. And I was like, charity for what? And he was like, an in- infant loss. And I was like, never heard of it. Like, it's called Thalicon. Never heard of it. He was like, I'm after contacting him. And the woman said she will come over and explain to you what is going to happen. And I was like, get her over here now. I was like, I don't care about COVID. I was like, she can wear a mask. I was like, I need to speak to her. So this woman travels. I don't know where she travels from. She came over to the house, obviously had a mask and stuff on and sat me down and told me black and white what was going to happen and what had to be done and what I was entitled to funeral wise and to not let the hospital push certain things on me. Um, And she was just like, it was great speaking to her then because I knew she knew how I felt and like the rage that I had. I hated everybody. I hated Decky, I hated me ma, I hated the world, like, I was like, I hate everybody because it's, it sounds selfish, but I was like, why me? Like, do you know that way, even though it happens to, like, one in four babies end in miscarriage, like, do you know that one, one in every eight people, women are infertile, do you know that way, it's huge, like, do you know that way, but at that moment in time, I thought my world was falling, the four worlds was falling down around me, like, do you know that way? And she explained to me what, I needed to do, I needed to take the tablet. 48 hours later, I'd be induced and I would be in full-blown labour with contractions and my water's breaking. And um, she said, I'm not sure what size your baby's going to be. Um, her baby was full term, so it was stillborn. She's a chairperson of Phalicon. And um, she was amazing, like absolutely amazing. Like told me what I was going to guess, as in, with counselling after what Phalicon can give me like and Decky as a support because I was kind of thinking like what happens to Decky like do you know the way is Decky allowed in with me are they going to help him like I was like is it's not just even though I was so angry at everybody I was like I'm not the only one that has lost a baby here my mum has lost a grandchild my dad has lost a grandchild my sisters have lost a niece or a nephew and Decky has lost his son or a daughter like do you know the way I was like we all need help like do you know the way so then we went into the hospital, got that lovely midwife and she said, you need to take a tablet now. It's going to stop the placenta from working. And I says, OK. And then she basically told me my options for a funeral. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what can I what can I have? Like, so they were like, you can bury your baby here in the communal plot. And I was like, what's a communal plot? Like, and she was like, there's other babies in it. And I was like, nope. No, 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 no. I was like, no way. Like, I was like, I'm not putting my baby in where I don't know where the baby will be. Like, and she was like, well, we deal with Kerwin's um, undertakers. Um, they can organize a coffin or they have the little um, basket things. I don't know what they're called, the caskets. Um, and you can have either a burial or a cremation. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like... 26 and Decky's 27 I was like like how do we organize this like do you know that way and she was like after you take this tablet I had to take it in front of them um and I had to open my mouth and show them that I took it because 
some people are not, I don't know anyone personally, but like they want to make sure that you do take it. So I had to take it in front of her. Because that's what I'm saying. I wonder if people go into complete and utter denial. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I have opened up to a lot of people, like through groups and stuff like that, are still in denial that their baby has passed away. Like, you know, that way, which is, it is actually normal. And I understand why they feel like that another way because I was in denial like when it happened for a little while like it kind of took me because I've had I've dealt with loss like in my family like I know that when they're gone they're gone another way like so that was kind of not a positive but like I was like right I need to kind of give myself a kick up the air now like another way and deal with it as best I can but then when I took the tablet she literally gave me like a form of what the tablet was, what it did, what it consisted of and stuff like that. And they said, right on. So I took that on the Sunday night. So I had found out that the baby had passed away on the Saturday. So this is 24 hours after. They said, now you have to wait another 48 hours and you have to ring the gynae ward in the rotunda at seven o'clock in the morning to see if your bed is ready. Um, Declan can come in with you and um, you will have to stay overnight. And I was like, oh my God, like... I was like, I'm so blessed that he was allowed to come in with me because there is no way I was going to do that on my own. So that was fine. Went home. And when I went home, like something weird happened. And it's not like weird as in like out of the ordinary. My mom was like, since you came home yesterday, there's been a robin outside. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't get you. She was like, a robin. And I was like, what about it? And she was like, when robins appear, love ones in here. And I was like, yeah, I don't believe in that. For three weeks after my son passed away, a robin sat outside that front door. Like, I was like, that's weird. A few weeks when he went away and ever since the start of the year, he's been back like every single day. And sometimes we've seen two robins, like, do you know what I am? Like, just, it freaked me out. So when I seen the robin when I came home, I was like, it made me feel a little bit better, but I was still like, I had no idea what was going to happen on the Tuesday. So I had to carry my child dead inside me for four days. Which was horrendous, like, like horrendous. And I was having bats and like, because I was so big, it was even worse. Mm. Do you know that way? Like, I remember having a bat and like, I don't know how Decky didn't kill me. I was like, when I was going to the toilet, I wanted him with me. When I was in the bath, in the shower, I wanted him to stay with me because they said like, with the tablet, you might bleed, but some people don't. So if you do bleed, you have to come straight back into us. And I didn't bleed, which I was surprised about. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Were you with? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're in the bat, because I have two children. Yeah. So when you're in the bat, are you feeling the bump? I'm willing yeah. to. Yeah. Like I was literally like, my bat is quite deep, like, and my bump was hanging out of the bat, like, and we were just rubbing the, the I'm sorry, <laughs> the bump, like, basically, like, saying, like, you, the baby was gone, like, like, you just kept kissing it, like, do you know, that way, like, I'm just saying, sorry, because he blamed, like, I know, still, he blames himself for the argument, we, like, it wasn't even an argument, like, he was just like, I'm like, come on, like, the night before, and I know, like, that killed him, like, <laughs> And we were just like, and then the next, on the Monday, before I went into hospital, I was like, this is going to sound weird and it's not for social media, it's for us. I was like, can we get pictures like of our hands on the bump and him kissing me bump? And he was like, yeah, so we have them. Because I knew after like that I wasn't going to have a bump and like besides me bump, I started to get soft, like, but I was out here, it was huge. And... Like, even my sisters were rubbing me bump and, like, even me dad, like, do you know that way? He was even rubbing me bump. He was crying. Everything was awful. Like, it was horrible. I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry for making so you cry. Sad. It's not nice when, like, people hear it when they have kids. Like, because some people feel guilty and I'm like, that's not what I'm about. Like, I'm so happy that other people have beautiful kids. Like, I'm not one bit spiteful, like... But it's hard to hear, like, especially when you do have kids, like, you can't imagine it, like. So then at seven o'clock on Tuesday morning, the 17th of November, I rang and they said, yeah, your bed's ready. And Jackie went in to complete an utter, like, denial, like he was lying on the bed, like me and I was trying to drag him up. Like, I was like, Jackie, come on, you have to be strong. Like, I was trying to pick him up, like, do you know the way? I was like, we need to do this, we need to do this. And like... My ma rang the doctors and was like, we need to like something for him, like to calm him and keep him like from not having a breakdown, like, do you know that way? And um, I went in at 10 o'clock and I went into the rotunda and they have like two chairs and they ask you questions of like, have you been in contact with anyone with COVID and this, that and the other? And they were like, what's your name? And I was like, I'm being admitted. And they were like, Melissa Gearon. And they said, you're not on the list. And I was like, I am carrying a dead child inside of me. Like, and they were like, there's no need to be like that. They were so horrible to me at the door. Like, I was like, just let me in. They wouldn't let Decky in. So I had to go get a nurse and the nurse got us and brought us in and didn't we bump into someone. And then I was like, the shame of having to tell people now that my baby's dead. Like, 
is a shame. At the time, yeah. Now it's not. It's not now, like, but at the time I was so embarrassed, like, that I didn't feel like a woman, if that makes sense, like, because I was like, that was my duty to protect me baby and I couldn't, like, I blamed myself for months, like, some days, like, I'm a lot more positive now, but, like, up until February, maybe, it was like, I was like, this is my fault, like, I was like, I want to be with me son, like, I was I didn't want to be here and then I quickly took myself out of that because... Suicide, like, is it my happened to my family? I was like, I couldn't do that on them or myself. And what good would I be to Jackson and Decky if I wasn't here? Like, you know the way, but I got, and that was before I gave birth. Like, and then I got admitted. I got into my room at about eleven o'clock. And let's take a break. Yep. Let's take a break. Yep. And then we start again. Yep. So just hang on. So you said there, we just had a little cup of tea. We still have it in front of us. Yeah. So we just had a little cup of tea. Yeah. And a cry. And a cry. <laughs> so then tell me what happens next. Um, so I went up to the um, gynae ward and they put us in a private room. So it was just me and Decky and there was the hospital bed. There was like a sofa bed for Decky, a teddy and a wardrobe. So they got me settled in. Um, the midwives, um, there was one top midwife and then a student midwife. They came in, introduced themselves and um, basically told me what was going to happen for the day. And um, they pulled, which was lovely. They pulled down their masks and they were like, this is what we look like. Just so you know the face. And they made me feel really comfortable. And they were talking to Decky and explaining to Decky what was going to happen as well. Um, they said that I had to take a tablet every six hours and that was to basically induce me. Um, they said sometimes one tablet works, three tablets, it all depends on the person. But they said, because you're quite slim, it could happen pretty quick. And I says, okay, then that's fine. Um, and then they said the bereavement midwife is going to come into it. And I was like, okay, never heard of them before. And, um, the bereavement midwife came in, Emma, and she was lovely. She just said like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And this was what's going to happen. And she basically explained what the midwife had already said about you take the tablets and your water will break, you'll get contractions and the midwives will be here when you give birth. And, Basically, you just said um, about uh, Phalacon in a little lifetime and that there will be support for us um, during and after I give birth for both of us um, together and on our own if I wanted to get counselling and the same with Eki. Um, and basically told me, did I know what I wanted with the funeral arrangements? And I said, I don't want my baby in a communal plot. And they said, have you discussed it? And we, me and Decky had discussed it the night previous. Um, because he has never really had to bury anyone. He didn't really know what to do. Um, and in my family, everyone's kind of been cremated. Um, it's just a press, per, like a personal preference. And I said, well, I don't really want... The only options we had was to buy a plot, which is like thousands and I wasn't in a position and he wasn't in a position to pay thousands to get a plot dug up. Um, and there was no room in my dad's side of the family. Um, so I said, I'd personally like to get the baby cremated. And he was like, look, it's what you want to know the way. I was like, no, we have to mutually decide. And he was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. 
I feel helpless. Like you're going to have to make these decisions. Like, and I was like, right. Okay. Um, because we did have an option of, um, the, it's like a baby burial in Glasnevin and it was a communal plot as well. And I just said, no, like, I was like, I just don't want the baby in there. I'd rather be in, like when I go to my nanny's house, my granddad and my uncle is in the ashes in the bedroom and it's nice to like, I like it sounds weird. I go up and like say hi. Say hello. Like, you know what I mean? mm-hmm. like it sounds mm-hmm. mad, but it's just comforting for me. So I said like, like he was like, like, what do you mean ashes? And I was like, it, it's in a little wooden box and it has like, the, it will have the baby's name and the date and stuff. And he was like, right, okay, we'll go with that. And my mom, um, my mom's a hairdresser, so she'd have a lot of contacts with clients and her friends are actually funeral directors. So mom had been on the phone to them organizing everything and they said like what they needed and the um, bereavement midwife said, can I have their contact details? And I was like, yeah. And um, they would organize when I gave birth um, the next day to collect the baby and she'd have the baby dressed and presented and this, that and the other. And she was like, just tell them that they need to order a 16 inch white coffin. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't. And I said, like, you need to ring my mom and tell my mom I need to order a 16 inch white coffin. I was like, oh my God. Like I was, and I was like, 16 inches is huge. Like I was like, why so big? And they were like, it's just so you can put stuff in. And I was like, oh my God. So I had everybody running to get clothes for the funeral and to organize flowers and this and the other while I'm sitting in the hospital. So then she brought in a little memory box and it's from Failacon. So what Failacon is, it's a charity to support parents after losing a baby. So they provide um, the bereavement team in the rotunda with these memory boxes. So it's a purple memory box and in the memory box, there's two teddies. So one for the mother and one for the baby. So we keep one and we put one in the coffin with the baby but the lady that had come to see me on the Saturday had already given me two so we had sprayed it with our perfumes and we were going to give the two to the coffin and take the new ones home us so that the baby would have our smell in even though the baby wouldn't be able to smell it and there was like a little knitted sleeping bag and a blanket and lovely poems and um like um they had like a booklet and they said, oh, you can get the baby's handprints and footprints. And I broke down. I was like, I thought he was going, the baby was going to be like, do you know the aliens that used to be in, in Smith's? That's mm. what I had in my head because I was like, I'm only 16 weeks. Like because of people saying in the past, Asha, you're only this and you're only that. I thought I mean, it wouldn't look like a baby. And I asked the bereavement midwife, I said like, what size will the baby be? And she said, probably the size of your hand. And I was like, oh my God, like that's quite big do you know that way and um she said we're going to give you the tablet now and in six hours time we're going to give you another tablet and hopefully it'll happen by today and I says right okay so they gave me a tablet and it was like taking paracetamol like nothing and then at about half two I started to get contractions I was like oh my god here we go and like Jackie's sitting there looking at me like as in to say like what do I do? I'm in a nightdress with my underwear and the biggest pad you can imagine. And they said, you might bleed. You might not. And I started to bleed a little bit. And I was like ringing the emergency button every, every time I, something happened. Um, and that went on for a couple of hours. The midwives were amazing. They were constantly in checking on me. Um, 
asked me, am I okay doing my bloods? Um, I was hooked up to the monitor thing and just constantly in like making sure I was okay. And then one of the midwives came in and said um, they needed to talk to me. And I was like, okay. And they were like, because your baby has already passed, um, there is an option to do an autopsy. And Decky's like looking at me with 10 heads and they said we can do a full autopsy or we can do, it's like basically a mini autopsy. And I'm like, I'm in the labor. Like I was like, I don't want to be making these decisions. Like, do you know the way they were like, we have to make them now because of paperwork. And I was like, right. Okay. So I'm looking at Decky and Decky's looking at me and I'm like, I'm not going to get an answer out of him. Like, do you know the way? Cause he's in shock, like looking at me, do you know the way? And I said, what's the difference between the full autopsy and the mini autopsy and they were like basically we cut the baby for from the neck down to the belly button to check organs and stuff like that to see what has caused this to happen and then how how do those women have that I I know it's their job I know it's their calling I know that's part of what they have to do yeah I asked that question I said how do you do this and the midwife I'll never forget her Giovanna or something her name was she was French she was amazing like when I'm in the height of labour I'm texting my mum at home saying go and get me chocolates wine and cards saying for thank you they were amazing during the day and they finished at eight o'clock they this that student midwife her name was Megan I'll never forget her as long as I live at the time like I remember like the scandal about them not getting paid enough she came in like after like she say she was finished at four o'clock she came in to make sure I was okay and to say goodbye and that she texted the other midwife to make sure I was okay and like she, you could see she was so emotional like and I was like I don't know how they do this like you know the way but it's second nature to them they see this so much like they really really do do you know the way and I was just like it was like something came over me and I was like, I have to make these decisions, do you know that way? And I looked at Eki and I said, what do you think? And he was like, I don't, she, he just, because we didn't know what sex the baby was. And he just said, I don't want the baby cut open. And I said, okay, we'll go for the mini autopsy. So they take a, um, a patch of skin to test for genetics to see if like there was something wrong with his gen- with the baby's genetics. I started pacing the floors and I just felt this and my water said broke. And the midwife came in and it was, um, I'm a celebrity was on and we were watching it and just the pain and they kept saying, what's the pain at now? And I was a solid about eight and a half and I just kept saying six because I didn't want any medication because in my head, I wanted to try to protect the baby as much as I could, even though it was already gone. So I didn't want any medication and all I took was paracetamol because I was like, I'm not making it any worse than it already is. I just wanted to feel. Because you're not allowed to take medication while you're pregnant. Yeah. So I had it in my head, like, do you know the way I was like, I am not causing any more damage that's already done. So I want to feel all this because it's the only feeling I'm going to get with the baby, like, do you know the way? And he was just holding my hand and Decky's quite like, he's quite a typical bloke, like, do you know the way? Like, doesn't spread his emotions. Like, he was a broken man that day, like, he really was. It was horrible for me to look at him but it was a million times worse for him to look at me and knowing that there was absolutely nothing he could do like so then the midwives that had been on the day came in at about half seven and gave me the second tablet and said look we'll know when it's coming close to the time that baby's gonna come and we will be here because it can happen quite quick and it can happen it's happened on the floor it's happened in the toilet it's happened on the bed like but you will know 
and we will know so you won't be alone and I was like right okay that was half seven half eight came half nine the pains are getting really really bad like the contractions were quite strong um and I was so exhausted I actually drifted like off asleep which I don't know how I did because I was at it not sleeping and not eating for days so I drifted off asleep and I woke up and the pain was excruciating like and before the midwives had went home they said like the new midwives will come in they will stay with you they'll be in with you every 15 minutes um you won't be on your own and I was like right grand so I felt reassured that everything was gonna go as they said the nighttime shift was a completely different ball game from the time they left at eight o'clock till about 10 to 10 I didn't see a midwife like unless I ran the emergency bell and she'd come in and she'd be like what's the problem I'm like I'm in the height of pain here like and to be like on um you got this a few hours uh, like not so long ago we can't give you any more there's this really strong like injection or tablet that they give it's basically like the an oral way of giving an epidural because you can't get an epidural because it can cause complications um that you can't get that yet and I was like right okay and then they offered it to me and I said no because I wanted to not harm the baby anymore and then I just like sat up it was about 11 o'clock and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god I don't like I'm not right and he's like panicking like he's had a baby before he knows what happens you know the way this is completely different like for anybody like you know the way that I've told this story to and it was about 20 past 11 and it was starting to get really really bad like I was crying like it just felt weak like it was awful and then a couple of minutes later like they had told me that they were going to be with me when this was happening and they would be in every few minutes I just felt this like I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and I said Decky check because I was in like big underwear and a big huge pad and he lifted me underwear to check and I said, get a nurse, get a nurse, get a nurse, get a nurse, get a nurse. And he was, he had to run out and run up and down the corridor. And this might sound vulgar, but I was sitting with my legs open being like, there's so like the, the baby's here, the baby's here. So I'm like shouting at Decky saying, what time is it? And he was like, it's bang on half 11. And the midwife walked in as if she was going to the shop, lifted me underwear up and said, the baby's here. And I looked at Decky and Decky looked at me and I was like, did they make a mistake? Is it alive? Like... And she was like, I'll be back in a minute. And I said, Decky, get in that wardrobe. Do not look at me. Don't look at the baby. Just don't. Because I, I didn't know what it looked down there. I didn't know. And Decky, <laughs> Decky hid in the wardrobe and the midwife went out and got the tools. And I was left sitting with the baby on my underwear on the bed with my legs open while she got all the tent, like the equipment. And I was left sitting there, which felt like an hour was probably about three or four minutes. But I was left sitting there with the baby in my underwear. Mm. You're shaking and everything. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just speechless. Yeah. Like I'm just... One, I'm kind of like, oh, you made him get into wardrobe. Yeah, I made him because I didn't want him to look because I didn't want him to be traumatised. Because he would have been traumatised. Like, he hid in the wardrobe and I just kept saying, what time is it? And he was like, half eleven. Because you want to know what time, the, time the baby was born. Like they had recorded the time, but like I just wanted to hear what time it was, do you know the way? And they said the cord is stuck 
and they had to take cut the cord off so he's like shaking in the wardrobe with the door open because I didn't want him to look like I really didn't and he was like yeah, okay 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 and they they was like do you want to see the baby and I was like no that was like instantly I didn't want to see the baby didn't ask what sex it was nothing I was just absolutely traumatized that I had given birth on my own and was left with a baby lying on the bed while she went off and got the tilts and then she took the baby and brought the baby wherever the baby had to go and she started pressing down on my stomach because the placenta was stuck and she said if it doesn't come out in the next 15 to 20 minutes you're gonna have to get get operated on and Decky was like weak so he had come out at that stage and she said um if you get up and walk around and the placenta might come out itself and I was like excuse me and she was like go into the toilet so I had to go into the toilet after giving birth 10 minutes before I was in the height of pain like walked into the toilet and there was like a paper bowl that they had put in the toilet and I had to hover over the toilet and push the placenta out myself without any nurse in the room and Decky was standing looking at me and I said, Decky, get her, get her, get her, get her, get her. And as she walked in, the placenta came out and she says, can you please hand me the ball? So I had to lift up the toilet seat, take out the paper bucket. And she says, OK, thank you. I will be back. And I had to get back into the bed and there was blood all over the bed and they left me in that. And I didn't see her for the night. And then Decky had a full blown absolute panic attack and... He had to ring me mat and go out and get air because I thought he was going to faint. Like, Didn't I even change a bed? No. Lying in, you know, like a puppy pad that yeah. dogs trained to go to the toilet on. It was like a large one of them and it was co- like covered in blood. Like, And they left me lying on that. I was like, mm, okay. So I had like a dressing gown. So I put the dressing gown on the bed and lay on the bed with the blanket over me like... And then they came in at about half twelve, one o'clock and gave me a sleeping tablet. And that was it. Mm. It's a... It's traumatic. Like, it's yeah. traumatic. Losing a baby is traumatic. Yeah. Going through that birth is traumatic. Yeah. There was no need to leave you in that bed. There was no, no need you to do that on your own no like I have always said to anybody that has asked like the midwives are amazing I just had a bad I had a bad night that night and I have said it after when I went into so you have to go they bring you in for a mental health like chat a week after and you have to walk through like the whole hospital again and I said it to them like I'm not taking away from the good that was done for me that day but that night was horrendous and I wouldn't want any other woman or girl or any anybody to ever that to happen them ever again ever again because it shouldn't happen Um, like I'm trying to excuse it in my head was Mm. it a busy night was it were they understaffed were they you know I didn't even ask them questions like the next morning the lovely midwife came back. She came straight into me and I told her and she said, I'm sorry, I wasn't here. And I was like, it's not your fault. Like, And then the bereavement midwife came in and Decky was like, they wrote in the report after that Decky was unresponsive. 
was like, yeah, his baby just died, like, and witnessed his girlfriend give birth and push her placenta out. Like, I don't think he's going to be full of beans. Like, um, he was lying on the bed and he was just out of it. Like, he was just, he was like on a different planet. Like, do you know the way, like, I had to kind of say, Decky, come on, the nurses are here. Like, do you know the way? And um, the bereavement wife came in and said, um, you had a little boy. And I knew kind of, like, I... I wanted a girl and then I was like, oh no, I think it's a boy. I think it's a boy. I think it's a boy. So we had picked names and everything for a boy and a girl. And uh, they said, have you got a name? And we just both looked at each other and we said, Jackson. And she was like, would you like to see the baby? And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't, I don't think I can. Like, and I literally like, which is, which I think is dramatic now. Like I sat with a blanket over my head and I actually let Decky see him first. Because I actually, I told, I asked him to tell me if he think if he thought I'd be able to cope with seeing him and Decky seeing him first. And what did he say to you? He just said, Melissa, he's smiling. And he did, he was smiling. And the first thing I checked was to see if he had 10 fingers. Was he? Mm-hmm. And did he? Yeah. Yeah. And he was huge. Like I couldn't get over it. He was in like, they had him in a little white basket with a blue blanket and he was huge. He was from the top of me now down to past my wrist he was huge big long legs did you hold him um I held him in so in the hospital they recommend that you don't hold them because they're so fragile so he was in like a tiny little basket and like we held him and I was looking at him and Dickie was like he's full on smiling and he had like a little smirk and you could see like he had everything hands fingers toes legs you could see like his really everything like you could see everything like he was he just small and kind of red like because his skin hadn't developed properly and he was like a little baby like isn't it mad mm. through everything that you went through yeah you check that he has 10 fingers yeah that's the first thing I looked at and I'd admit it to anybody like and Decky was like I told you like and I was like all the fear that I had grown up that like I was like, that's the first thing I checked, like, do you know that way? And then Dickie was like, you know, he was your son with the, with the smirk, like. And I was like, yeah, same to you, like, do you know, because he's real cheeky, Dickie, like. And I was like, it just looked like he didn't suffer, like, do you know that way? He literally had a smirk. Like, I, I took a photo, I took photos of him and everything. Because, pe- like, the nurse said, like, people take photos, like, don't be thinking it's weird or it's wrong. Like, everybody takes photos, like, because it's good to have down the road. And I'm so glad I took the photos, like. Yeah. But then the next step was like, do you want to spend some time? Um, so we did. We we were in the room for a few minutes and then he had to get his autopsy. So they told me where they were going to take from his arm. So they took a, a patch of skin on his arm and I was like, right, okay. And then even like I was kind of offended in the hospital, like when I had to sign the autopsy, like only I was allowed to sign it because me and Decky weren't married. I kind of thought that was a bit like discriminating. Like I was like, I feel like both of us should like, you know, the way, but I was like, wasn't in the right frame of mind to argue it. Like, whereas now, and I'm a bit more clear headed, I think he should have been allowed to sign it as well. Like, cause it was both our child's, but, um. Other than that horrific, awful mm. experience with the late shift midwife. Yeah. And, do you know what? It is. It does happen. Yeah. It, when shifts change and you form a bond, and yeah. especially in something like like birth, you do bond with your yeah. midwife. Yeah. But what you went through, you I'm sure 
and it does happen. Yeah. But other than that, did you feel like you were informed, like you had, yeah. you were given the right advice, you were told? Yeah, like no regret. They, from the difference between the first and the second miscarriage, like I don't even like calling Jackson a miscarriage, but under 26 weeks, it's called a late miscarriage. They were very good and they were very good with Decky. Like even the midwives were making sure he was okay. And I was out like, it was a lot better than I thought it was. Like I thought it was going to be kind of the same as the first time. So for anyone that has gone through it, I hope that they got as much information as I got. Like, do you know that way they were very... They did give me a lot of information, like post, like even after, do you know, that way. And care. Yeah, they did. Like apart from that night, it was like, the, I'll never forget them midwives as long as I live. Like even the midwife that told me that, that he had passed away on the Saturday come up to see me. Like she was down like in a different ward, like and she came up to see me. She made time out of her busy day where there's thousands of women's giving birth to babies and she came up to see if I was okay which was so nice to see, like, even though, like, that was probably horrible for her, but it was so nice that I seen her, like, because she gave me the bad news, like, you know, that way she was the first person to tell me and she came up to see me to see if I, if we were both okay, which was nice, like, out of a bad, a bad experience, you know, that way. And do you think you said there earlier on that when you go back in and where they said that he, he was unresponsive, mm. Like, should that even be happening in that building? Should that not be happening? This is my huge argument and not that I'm in a position or power or anything like that to change that. But like even after when me and Decky had to go into the social worker to basically see like how I was coping, she, the, their mental health clinic is in where the 12 week scans are. And she was like, I just have to let you know that, um, you're going to walk past um, the nursery and you're going to walk past the chapel that Jackson was in and you're going to be um, going through my office. Her office is in where the early pregnancy unit is. I was like, are you trying to like send me over the edge? Like, like I know that it's not a, probably a big building, but if it's one in every four women that has a miscarriage, surely that this has been going on hundreds and hundreds of years, surely they should know that there should be a clinic away from that like you know the way because I'll never forget getting out of the car going in to give birth to him there was women outside like heavily pregnant looking at me ball crying and me man dad hugging me saying goodbye they knew what I was going in for like and that's distressing for them and distressing for yeah. me do you know that way yeah. because they have healthy babies and they're thinking oh sweet Jesus that girl's baby's obviously dying or dead or whatever like do you know that way so it goes both ways like do you know that way so I personally think that there should be even a communal for all their hospitals like the Coombe and Hollis Street and whatever that it's separate. So you don't have to put either person, whether they have had a miscarriage or they have a healthy pregnancy. It's not fair on either because it's traumatic, like seeing that from whichever way your pregnancy is going, do you know that way? And it was very hard. Like Decky was fuming being like, I had to walk past the chapel that Jackson was laid out in. Like, and Did you have your funeral? Yeah, so... Because we went through a private um, funeral directors, the return when you have a miscarriage, like what I did, um, if you go through, um, I think it's it's like Mount something, it's out on the south side. Um, if you pick that one, um, the return that actually pays for it. Okay. But it was way too out of the way from us. And some um, 
crematoriums can't guarantee ashes for babies. So I was like, ring the crematorium. I want a written letter, signed letter to say that I will have ashes after we get them cremated. So um, my mom's friend, I said, I want Jackson with me at home overnight and have him not laid out because I didn't want people, not that I didn't want people to see him. I didn't want to put someone on the spot and say like, it's, I know it's different when someone's older and they've lived their life. I was like, some people would feel uncomfortable with a baby and I didn't want to put anyone in that position. And I said, I want him at home. So I went home on the Wednesday morning and I just left for the day. They gave me sleeping tablets and I slept for the day. So did Decky and I ate a bit that night. And it was just getting everything ready for the funeral on the Thursday. I had to pick poems, had to pick um, candles, flowers, loads of stuff. This stuff that I, like songs, like what song did we want? And Decky's looking at me. I was like, what song do you want? And he was like, I don't know. And I have a thing. I love Disney. And I've always said since I was smaller, if I ever die, I want my song to be, you'll always be in my heart, the Tarzan song. And I said, I want that one. And then me and Decky have a thing about Westlife, like that's the first like kind of song that we had together. And we picked My Blood by uh, Westlife. And I was like, I can't listen to it. Just played him, played him when we walk in and when he's getting kind of, they close the court and then he goes in and whatever. So we had all that picked out. I asked my auntie to read a poem and we were kind of saying the priest wanted to know like who we wanted mentioned. So I said like my first angel, like the amount of my family that have passed and then to keep um, Jackson's big brother in his thoughts like do you know the way to hopefully like Jackson will always protect his big brother his little big brother actually um, and just all that stuff and then my mom's phone rang and was like he's outside so I was like oh my god <laughs> so we had the sitting room all laid out and the amount I think I got about 50 bunches of flowers delivered to the door people I haven't spoke to in years people I didn't really know all my friends Decky's friends I didn't even know everyone was just my house was like a florist so we had it all um laid out and people had gotten me like baby boy teddies and lovely little candles with that you could put the tea lights in and stuff and then Jackson came in the coffin and they had the um bereavement midwife had him laid out lovely so what they do and um, there's like normal women knit for the rotunda like clothes for babies um and they had him in a little sleeping bag a little blue and white sleeping bag and they had his teddies in and me and Decky took photos of like his scan and us and we wrote little letters on the back of them and put them in with them and then I gave my family my immediate family so my mom my dad and um, my two sisters um and my auntie and my uncle, did they want to see him? And I felt like I, at the time I had to prove that he looked like a real baby. So I was like forcing him. I was like, I want you to see him. And then Jackie was like, Melissa, don't force him. Like, do you know the way? And I was like, okay. So my mom said, yeah, I'd love to see him. And so did my dad and my auntie and one of my sisters. So my younger sister said, yeah, I want to see him. And Emma just went, no, I want to remember him the way I remember him in my head. I don't want to because I think I would have given her a fright. So I'm kind of glad she didn't. And they were like in shock that he was so big. They were trying, like I have never really seen my dad cry and my dad broke down, like, which was hard for me to look at. Um, Melissa, can I ask something? Yeah. Would you recommend that to other women? To bring their babies home? Yeah. I'm so glad that I brought him home and got to spend time with him. 
in the comfort of my own home and that he was a part of my house and always will be like <laughs> we've nicknamed the sitting room Jackson sitting room and that I will always be his sitting room and it was nice for Decky to spend some time with him on his own and then I spent like I stayed with him all night me and Decky made a bed on the sitting room floor and had him beside us and I woke up and Decky's hand was like on the coffin like didn't leave it for the night Um, I definitely would because at the, at the start I was like no don't want him home just leave him there because I won't get attached but I think now if I didn't I would actually regret for the rest of my life like and I'm so glad he was at home and then my friends came up like obviously with COVID it was kind of a restricted so I had like my immediate friends and Dickie's immediate friends um, came up like kind of staggered out um, and all the friends wrote little letters and left them at the side and gave the coffin a kiss and um, when they all left I put all the letters so there was like 60 probably 50 letters from everybody all friends and family and like me and Decky and there was Teddy's and um, I got a plaque, uh, a star made for the, my friend got a made for me for the first baby. I actually put that in with Jackson. So the two babies will have something together because I obviously didn't know what the first baby was. Um, and then the Friday morning was the funeral, which was horrendous because um, my mom said, do you want a car? And I was like, no, I don't want people to think like I'm making like a scene out of it. My mom said, you and Decky get in a car. And we'll follow in our own cars and the undertaker tried to take Jackson's coffin. And I was like, nope. I was like, I carried him into this world. I'll be carrying him out. And Decky carried him from the house to the car. And we had him on our laps and I was like shaking the whole way. And it was only not so long ago we drove past and Decky said he'll never forget. We were pulling up outside the crematorium in Dardstown. And there was a man on a bike and looked into the car and stopped and blessed himself and wouldn't cycle past the car until the car went away. Now, I didn't cop it. I just remember pulling in and the man driving the car just said, I'll give you a few minutes. And I was trembling like and everybody was already crying like people from uh, I was allowed to have 25. So 25 were allowed in and people stood outside and the man said, right, OK, we have to go in now. And Decky said, I'll take him. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I'll be taking him. I was like, I carried him for 16 weeks. I said, I'm carrying him up here. And I don't know how I did. I did like everyone. I, like people said they had visions of me letting him fall. Like I was literally carried him up the aisle of the crematorium and had him on my lap. And I don't remember the mass. I just remember the two songs. And then at the end, they, we all had blue roses and we went up and put them on the coffin. And I remember just wrapping my hands around the coffin and not wanting to let go. And then I don't remember anything else. And then when does Fela Khan, like, are they still there? Are they? Yeah. So after, um, when we went to the social worker, so a week after Jackson had passed away, his funeral was on the 20th of November. Um, the, a girl called Louise called us and was like, can you come in? So she said, she's basically asking us how we felt and how I was and, Decky was like my security blanket, like anywhere Decky went, I went, if I went to the toilet, Decky came with me, like, and I found that really hard for the first few weeks to break away because he like had his other son and he had like work and stuff and it was just like, it was a nightmare, like we went through a really, really rough patch and um, they said, look, we have counselling for couples and I looked at him and he was like, oh, please don't make me do that and I was like, you're doing it, like, you know, that I... 
and he's actually delighted he did it. So it was via um, WhatsApp, FaceTime, um, and it was once a week. And it was a man that, uh, like, he specialises in baby loss, grief, and they were a great. What was it like having a man? Was it weird? So I've had cancer counselling since I was younger, like for all the little problems that I had, and I always clicked with women. But I found this time it was actually better with a man because it's like they sympathise with you more because they physically don't know what it's like. Do you know that way? Like he was amazing. Like I felt so comfortable with him. And Decky connected with him as well, which was great because he doesn't talk at all and he was talking more than I was sometimes. Did and you ever feel judgment throughout the whole thing of anybody? Oh God, yeah. Like some people have said like you're obsessing about it. Because I went through a phase of like ordering things with his name on it. Like on the back of my phone, I have a case with Jackson on it and his date. And I was buying like random things like just with his name on it because it was making me feel a little bit better because I would have done them things if he was alive. Do you know that way? So I was getting like, actually, you'll have another one. Like you can show you're only young, you can get pregnant again. And I was like, I don't, it's not that I don't want to get pregnant again. I wanted Jackson. Like, do you know the way I was like, you can't just say to someone, that it'll happen again. Like, you'd be grand. Like, do you know the way? Like, at least you weren't, at least it wasn't stillborn. And I'm like, I completely get how much harder it, should, it could be with a fully born, stillborn baby. Like, I've connected with a girl in England and her baby was, I think, 34, 36 weeks. And it's horrendous. Like, do you know that way? And I've seen pictures of our little girl and she's absolutely beautiful. I was like, but in my mind, whether it's six weeks or it's 36 weeks, you're still losing a baby. Because it's not just are you losing a baby, you're losing their first smile, their first words, their first step, first day in school, communion, everything. Like it's you're literally missing out on everything. And his due date is actually next week. So like this week is very, very hard. Like like Zeki said to me the other day, like you're like an antichrist. And I was like, I know. And he's like, I know why. And he's been great, like you know that way. So it, So you would have been due home? Yeah, due home on the twenty eighth of April. So it's due dates, I think next, yeah, next Wednesday. Mm. It's mad, like, little things like Mother's Day, I was, like, depressed, like, because I was like, oh my God, this isn't my first kind of proper Mother's Day. But, like, Decky went out and got me a card and little gifts and flowers and a balloon and all. And So this was just November? Gone. Just gone? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just November, yeah, seventy into November, twenty twenty. And you saying to me, oh, in February, like I was kind of like, let you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting over the blame. Yeah, it's only like four and a bit months ago. Like, mm. <laughs> no, yeah, oh, yeah, like I was like a basket case up until about two months ago and then something clicked like 48 hours after Jackson passed away I got onto Facebook I wrote a big message I was like this is the only thing I'm putting like I don't put anything personal on Facebook I donate I did a Facebook fundraiser for Failicon to help because one of their memory boxes is 50 euro and I was like if I can raise as much as I can I was like it could be like 20 of them boxes and in a week we raised nearly 1500 euro and that was two days after Jackson passed away. I was like, I am not letting this get the better of me because I have let things in my life affect me too much. And I'm doing it for Jackson. Like, like that baby that 
And I even, I had a meltdown a few weeks ago and I said to Zeki, like, how can a little person affect someone so much? And he's like, because it's their son. Like, like I have literally, like I've done three fundraisers. I've reached out to like about four or five women, like some of them in the UK, like to get them through. Like in one particular girl, it, she was gone. She lost her baby, was still born. And she's literally said she wouldn't have got through it if it wasn't for me. And that's not me blowing, like throwing flowers at myself. It's literally because... I know how it feels. It's, I've been there. So like from like a week after Jackson, I've been trying to help people like, because it's such a, like I felt for ages that it was a shameful thing. Like, and it was an embarrassing thing to happen to somebody. And now I'm trying to like open that door to talk, to get people to talk about it. Just to not be ashamed, like, and not get like so down in it that you can't, that's too hopeful to talk to because it is good to talk about it. Like, and it's just like I was watching a documentary on TG Carter last week of the, the presenter was called Sheila and like even Rosanna Davis was on it. She had 14 miscarriages. And I was like, you wouldn't have ever known only that she went and got a surrogate baby and she had a surrogate baby and stuff like that. I was like, no, you never see an ad on the telly about miscarriages in school. You're never told about miscarriages. It's just bypassed. So I'm trying to like, even if it was within a group of friends, like some people I know have had miscarriages and they've never, ever, ever talked about it until I said I'm actually like trying to spread awareness by like fundraising and stuff. And they've actually come forward and said, yeah, I had one like six years ago. A woman I know, she's in her late sixties. And when the first time I seen her after Jackson, she was like, Do you know what? I had a baby at 30 weeks. She's like, and I have never spoken about it since the day I left that hospital. And that was like 40 or 50 years ago. I, w- I wonder why. I wonder why. Like, I'm quite, like, not outspoken, but, like, I decided when that happened to me that I wasn't going to hide it, like, do you know the way, and I wasn't going to bury it. Whereas sometimes, like, in the last couple of months, I have stopped talking about it because I didn't want other people to feel uncomfortable. And then I was like, actually, hang on a minute now. Like, I'm going against everything that I want to do. I think it's embarrassment and as I said earlier like shame and like I automatically blamed myself like I must have done something I must have like drank that extra kind of coke that I drank must have done it like it was it's just like you blame yourself and you're ashamed I think that's the main thing and then sometimes it's just too painful to talk about because you don't like thinking of babies dying like it's like it shouldn't happen no but it does a loss I think this is probably the only one really, as I said, that I've been so, not speechless, but I don't have the words. Yeah. And I've, as I said, with most of the, all of them are probably, you know, probably except for Chantel's. I, yeah. I knew the people and I didn't know your story. Yeah. It's not a story that a lot of people would want to openly speak about, like, especially on something like this. But like, if it helps one woman that has, like, I can guarantee, like, it's one in every four. So if you have a thousand women followers, say on Instagram, 250 of them have had miscarriage. If that helps one person out of my followers, your followers, anything, because it's all social media now and it makes them feel that they're not crazy. That's my job done, like, because I did feel absolutely off the rocker like I thought I was uh, like 
blowing it way out of proportion. I thought I was mad. I thought I was being over the top, like, and I'm not I'm grieving, like, I'm still grieving, like. Of course. Will you celebrate his birthday? Yeah, definitely. Um, his due dates, like, I haven't really thought about it. Like, it's, it's an awkward day, like, but definitely his birthday, we will do something. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, we got his autopsy results back. Um, so he actually had a syndrome called Vactral syndrome. Never heard of it before. The only syndrome I've ever heard of is Down syndrome or like, that's really it. And I was like, even with this, um, I got a 20 minute phone call to tell me my son's um, autopsy results. I wasn't allowed in the hospital because of COVID. And they basically said um, it was Vactral syndrome. Um, it affects your vertebrae, um, your heart, your lungs, your kidneys. Um, and that some people can live with it, some people can't. And Jackson was the unfortunate one that they couldn't live with it. So like it causes heart defects. So they never said it, but it can cause like mini heart attacks. So I'd say it was, that's why his heart stopped and I didn't bleed or anything like that. It was probably something to do with that syndrome that, that caused it. And one in 10,000 or 100,000 it happens to or something. Do you know I sat down with my mum? Yeah. To do a podcast. And I didn't go out with it. Because she annoyed me so much. Because, right. As mums do. Mm-hmm. But she told me that she had a miscarriage. Right, okay. And it was the first time you're hearing the story. Yeah. And she, my dad was working down the country and she just bled. She just put packed herself up with pads or whatever yeah, she had. Yeah. And she walked from Fairview into Civil Place. Yeah. On her own. I was like, oh my God, ma'am. I was like, how am I only hearing about this? And and she was like, she was flippant. Yeah. She was like, oh, well, that's what happened. And in those days, them things happened, Rebecca. Exact same with my nanny. My nanny had some, like even when like Jackson died, she was like, you know, you have to pick yourself up and get on with it. And then... Like the next day she was crying to my mom saying, oh Jesus, I was harsh. But back in my day, it happened. You got over it and that was it. You had another baby. You had another baby. Yeah. That's what she said. She was like, oh, but I got over and I got pregnant again and I had another baby. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but. So I do wonder, like, is that why people are so reluctant to talk about it? Because that's the way it was years ago and it's kind of been stepped down through generations. Like, do you know that way? And like everyone can talk about everything else. So why can't it be... Not easier, but like, like you never hear anything on the radio. You never see anything on the telly, like about the charities. I never heard of Falcon in a little lifetime for this ever. I wonder if it's, as you said, is it fear and distressing for people who are pregnant? Mm-hmm. It could be. And that's like, and that's I take that hugely into consideration. Like, and like one of a friend of mine that I was in primary school with, and then we kind of like, with age, we kind of just went our separate ways and she was heavily pregnant at the time when I lost Jackson and she texted me on Mother's Day and said she actually felt guilty putting up a picture of her and her son. And I was like, no, like, I was like, don't think about me. And she's like, Miss, I actually, every time I put up a picture, I actually think you straight away. And I was like, no, I'm like, and I put up a post because I think people were, you could kind of notice like that some of my friends like were awkward to talk about the kids in front of me and I don't blame them because probably at the start I was like I don't want to see kids I don't want to be around kids and then I swiftly had to cop on and it's life you know the way but I would never take away anyone's happiness just because of my loss like I'm so glad 
like a girl I don't know her personally but I have her on Facebook I know her true friends she had a miscarriage a couple of years ago and she's nearly due a little I think it's a little girl and I text her and I was like I'm actually so 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 happy for you I know what it's like to want something and for that to happen yet and she was like Melissa like I actually can't believe you text me I was like of course like do you know the way like oh my most of my friends have kids I love seeing them I mind kids myself now like do you know that way it's just like I would always think of if I was the other hand like if I was like pregnant and it happened to one of my friends like it would be a bit uh, I don't know whether to stay away from her or to talk to her but like me personally I'd never be better towards anyone that's pregnant because I know how much I want it and I'd want it for anybody else as well like because the issue is that it's not an issue um the thing is that some girls are yeah, some girls just can't. Yeah, just like, physically, emotionally, don't have the strength to no, deal with that. And I didn't at the start. Like I got really upset when, and I fully admit it, and I said it to him. I when Decky was going to get his son, especially on the Saturday, because that's when I found out Jackson was it. I used to ball cry, like sob my eyes out, and he used. I made made him feel so much worse, and I was like, Melissa stop like do you know that way like even my friends had asked me to come down to a kids party nope I'm not going whereas now I would be able to go because it was so raw back then and I was so angry at myself at the hospital at the world that I just couldn't but now I'm out of that whereas some people stay in that which is very dangerous like do you know that way for their own mental health but it is it can it it's a stage of grief as well like with the denial part like do you know that way and everyone's putting it up on Facebook and it's hard to get away from that as well do you know that way so I just didn't look at Facebook for a little while and sometimes it upsets me sometimes it doesn't but I'm like I'm just so happy that they have it like and I will have it and I'm doing a lot of Leanne the our friend that I seen something she put up about manifesting I was like what is that and she was like it's not if it's when and I've been doing that about a month and it's completely changed me. Like, so instead yeah. of saying, oh, like, if I get pregnant, it's when I will be pregnant. Like, do you know that way? Like, and I will have a baby and I will have a house and I will get married. And if I have to wear my wedding ring on my right hand, so be it. So fucking what? I know. <laughs> I'm dead I know. serious. I so know. fucking what? I know. And that's what I said to Decky. I said, see, if we do, when we do get married, I said, you have to buy me a ring for me right hand and a bracelet for me left. And he was like, oh, holy Jesus, right? Very easy for me to say, but that's not a big deal. I know. You have your way. I'm one of the biggest believers in the power of positive thought and uh, manifesting. And I used to do it a lot when I, before children and now, Busy mum, yeah, working away, yeah. you know, and I don't have fucking time to I manifest know, anymore. I, I really don't. <laughs> you wish you did. Yeah, you know, and then I started to manifest the podcast. I did. Yeah. I manifested that I wanted to do something, but I just didn't know what I wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. So, yes, manifest. The power of positive thought is just so beautiful. It is. Yeah, it is. It, even, and it's rubbing off on him as well. Like, I was stressed about something stupid earlier, like money, and he was like, you're meditating tonight. I'll do it with you. And I was like, what? I was like, would you actually do that with me? He was like, and that helps. And it does help. It's like even the slightest thing of instead of if it's when, when, it completely changes our outlook to everything. And like, I'm not, this sounds terrible, but I'm not glad it happened to me, but I needed that to happen to me to change my outlook on life. And Jackson done that for me. Jackson gave me a strength that I didn't know I have. And people say, you don't know. I think they're saying something like, you don't know the strength until you have 
no other choice but to use it. Like I literally had no choice and because of him, I'm a stronger person now. Like, and I'm like willing to like help anybody that is going through what I'm going through because it's horrendous and I wouldn't want anyone to feel alone. Like, Melissa, where can people get help? Um, Failacon is an Irish charity. Um, you, they have an email address, they have Facebook, they have Instagram. You can literally just send them in message and they get back to you. I think they, it's, I think it's Monday to Friday. Um, but they're amazing. I think their receptionist's name is Ashlyn. She's amazing. I've gotten cards, I've gotten calendars, like everything, just even to ring and chat. They have, um, their own counselor so you can organize it with them. And then there's a little lifetime. So they do, um, one-on-one, um, counseling. They also do couples counseling and they also have a separate counseling for dads that, want to go on like because it's not just about the woman it's about the the man as well because they find it I think men find it hard to talk sometimes and the men's classes or the men's groups do be full so they are like really really helpful and then there's the um miscarriage association of Ireland as well so you can get onto them um they have a website as well and they're brilliant as well and they have different like surveys and they have different like explanations like as in the terminology is quite um out there like I wouldn't really understand some of it but they have like all the information and where you can go to get help and stuff it's brilliant and even the bereavement team and the rotunda ring them and ask them they'll answer the questions for you they're amazing like Melissa thank you so much for reaching out to me thank you and I'm sorry for making you cry (laughs) I know but honest to god because I actually would never I would never because we don't know each other so I never would have um got the opportunity mm-hmm. only that you did reach out yeah. but can I say that there you say the strength you got off Jax that's his legacy yeah and I'll like carry it for the rest of my life like and me and Decky and his so his son as well we have chains the three of us with Jackson's ashes in them so everywhere I go he's with me and I'll never take it off good for you thank you I only wish you the best. And Thank you so much. As I said, not if, when. It's, yeah. it's called a rainbow baby. Yeah. Yeah. I will get one. Yeah. You will. I will. Jackson will send me one. You will. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Vanessa. you. You're so good. Thank you for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.